Welcome, Switched On crew. Dan here with today's signals around emotional detox and processing your emotions. With me is Sherianne Boyle, a great quote from Sherianne in the episode. Emotional detox for anxiety is a reset for the soul, energizing you to accept peace, acceptance, and pure joy. Come join us and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Switched On Podcast. Today, we have Sherry Ann Boyle with us. Sherry is the author of Emotional Detox for Anxiety and eight other books. She's the founder of CleanseLife.com and a top five radio show host on HealthyLifestyle.net. Welcome, Sherry. I'm excited to have you on the show today, and I'd love to have you tell us a bit more about your background uh, beyond the intro I just gave. Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate your platform and sharing all, all that you do. So as far as my background, I, I now call myself an emotional detox coach since I wrote Emotional Detox, the, the core book, I call that. And what that means is I help people to learn how to process their emotions and understand them on a, on a deeper level. And then in addition, to being a coach. I also teach psychology at a local college. And I've been doing this in this field of mental health and psychology and self-awareness for over 20 years now. And the majority of it has been spent in really looking at how we can holistically help ourselves and create that balance that we're all looking for. Yeah, that's great. The in in the the pre-show and then in in your background and bio, you you had said something that really struck me, which was, uh, you know, you had felt like you were on the outside looking in, and I'd love to explore that a little bit more with you to kind of get get the context of that. Yeah. So. As far as the the outside looking in, I think a lot of people, at least I was doing it, even when I was studying psychology or or teaching, it just always felt like I was striving to get somewhere or get improve myself or get to a level where I could where I could begin to do the things that I desired to do and have the things that I desired. And, and what I realized it really, you know, it's kind of cliche, but it really is inside of us. And the way that I discovered it was through the processing of our emotions. And I think what, what gets in the way of that is we've just been so trained to look at emotions from the outside. We've been trained to label them, first of all, give them names, and then to identify them. And now with social media and technology, I don't even know if that's, if that's working out so much anymore because <laughs> it, it's difficult to get a read on anyone. We used to look at body language and things like that and say, oh, you look like you're upset. And, and now since I've written so many books on anxiety and I've I researched it and, and the way the, the numbers are so escalated right now obviously for obvious reasons i think that it's really affecting how we read each other 
And the thing is, is you don't, what I've learned through emotional processing is you don't actually, when I, I use the term read someone, interpret what they might be feeling by looking at them. The, the more effective way is to tune into yourself first and to process what you're feeling because what happens is we jump the gun and we make assumptions or we do mind reads when in fact we could be just having our own emotional reaction, meaning the person is might be eliciting something in us that is unresolved. And likely it's an emotion or a set of an emotions that we never allowed ourselves to fully process when we were younger. So how can I possibly have a relationship with other people and make decisions about my future without processing my emotions first? Because otherwise, I could be operating on what I call a trigger. And triggers are basically there to let us know. I know your, your show is all about signals to let us know that, hey, wait a minute, you've got something here that is looking to be what I, what I call seen, heard, and validated. Yeah, it is. Um, triggers is, a, is another great, you know, perspective on it. And, you know, the, the signals, it, it's so fascinating because they're, they're big, there's big and small and they're, they're, they're happening all the time. And one that um, I like to give as a reference is, you know, what started this whole journey for me was a simple signal that I got from the doctor who said, hey, your blood pressure's up. And he said, hey, the, the next time you're in, if it's not down, we're going to be putting you on medication. And it was at that moment, and I still don't exactly 100% know what triggered me to dive in deeper, but that signal stirred something in me. And I said, wait a minute something I'm doing is not right. And it caused me to then question it, which has led to this amazing seven-year journey of questioning everything and, and un unpacking a lot of baggage and a lot of things I had no idea existed you know, within. But it really is amazing the, the triggers and the signals that, that kind of uh, enter. Yeah, and really... It Kudos to you because a lot of people wouldn't see it that way. They would listen to their doctor for one and they would say, okay, I guess I better get my act together or else. <laughs> and it sounds like you really just got curious about that statement more than just accepted it as, as what would happen as your, as your fate. It almost seemed like a fork in the road and you chose to be more curious. And I, I love that because that that's that's partially what happens when you begin to process your emotions as well, is you do become more curious. You you learn to not just accept what's in front of you as truth. And instead you start to have a quest for truth. Well, that's your truth as a as a physician. That's what you know based on your experience, based on your schooling and your what you've learned. 
but that might not necessarily be my truth. Right. I love the way you were willing to challenge that in some ways. Yeah, it, it's uh, the the curiosity. What was stunning for me was, you know, here I was a person that had gone through an under undergraduate degree in electronic engineering, yet I'd spent my whole career looking at software and computer systems and analyzing those with that knowledge i had never once stopped to think of my own body my own system (laughs) using those same principles and that was what that moment shook me and said wait a minute i gotta look at and analyze my machine just like i do (laughs) a computer system or or software and all of a sudden it awoken inside of me a really uh, fun process of having that curiosity, but it was amazing how closed I was to it up until that mm-hmm. moment. Exactly. I think everybody is there. I think individuals who feel like they're falling apart, very often it's those moments of, oh boy, I'm I'm a little worse off than I thought I was. Or maybe if you feel like you're, about to, you're just holding it all together and all it's going to take is one more thing to just split, <laughs> to crash yeah. everything. Those are often signs of breakthroughs, right? You're yeah. on the verge, you're on the verge of a breakthrough. You don't know that right now. You will at some point be on the other side of it. And that was similar to my journey through an emotional detox. I didn't just write about an emotional detox. I was also on an emotional detox simultaneously while I was writing it and very, very similar. It was really fascinating to look at the, the things that I had overlooked and ignored. And I, I call it denial. Denial is a pretty big thing, huh, Dan? I mean, it's really <laughs> amazing how you can, it's such a state, it's such a foggy state. And I don't believe anybody's completely in denial. I think everybody has just like maybe a small thing inside of them that says, I know, I know there could be something here, but it's really a choice. I'm not going to look at this. I'm not going to let this come up in my life. And I think that can happen just to be in line with your show, at least for me, because I didn't believe I could handle it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really agree with that. And I always, <laughs> I always say I was blissfully unaware, you know, I was like <laughs> just you know, blissfully in my, my happy little bubble around uh, eating whatever I wanted to eat and doing whatever I wanted to do, thinking that all the while I was exercising and keeping myself fit. So in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm probably keeping this thing in balance. So, okay, I I can just be blissfully (laughs) unaware. Little did I realize just what was really going on in the background. Yeah. The, um, well, cool, that's fun. Uh, The next next area I'd like to explore a little bit is, you know, if you were to to pick three or four things that are, you think, the most misunderstood things in this area of processing emotions and denial of them, etc., what were the what are the few things you would highlight? I think the misinformation is that I'm what I wrote about in 
both the emotional detox books is this idea of coping. I think that we went a little overboard with the coping. And here's why. Coping means I have to deal with something. I have to manage it. I'm coping with it. And I'm all, I'm a fan of coping skills. We all need them to be able to, to get through stressful situations. But at some point, you have to process your emotions around that. And I find that the majority of many coping skills, it's not that they're bad or wrong. It's just the way that we're using them could be actually suppressing our emotions. So if I cope with something by, for example, a lot of people keep busy, and you, you might relate to that. Yeah. They, they have a lot on their plate, and so they cope by working extra hours or spending, staying up later, and that's all well and good, but, but there's emotions there. So I always say, in my book, Emotional Detox for Anxiety, I always say you you cannot have a symptom of anxiety without an emotion. You can't. And and you have a choice. You can either focus on the symptoms, like is what you're saying in your situation. You can look at what's going on with the the levels in the body and what and the anxiety or the fatigue or however it's showing up, the sleeplessness, or you can focus on the emotions. And I'm encouraging people to focus on their emotions because very often when you do and you start processing them, the symptoms dissipate on their own. Yeah. Really, uh, that distinction is a really good one. The um, coping by being busy is all too familiar and, uh, you know, it actually gives me a little chill when I even hear you say it because it's probably one of the stronger things I've hidden over my life uh, in the symptoms side of it is I always just, you know, ultra busy, always prided myself on being able to uh, multiplex through a lot of different things. And that being busy was always just a cover for just not wanting to deal with the things that were deeper. So that one really, uh, really resonates strongly. And I found that even in the last company I was part of growing, what, what I saw was is that, you know, in a corporate situation, we just were all so busy that you just blow by the, the signals or the triggers um, that the organization is sending off just as we do in the personal lives. And as I started to have that curiosity to look at signals, I got really fascinated with, man, the signals are being thrown off in the organization. I was a COO and I was just every day, I was having a steady stream of people or meetings that were just highlighting all of the, the, the really the deeper issues that were going on inside of the health of the organization, but the things that we were ignoring just simply because we were too busy. And it really is um, a real big problem in today's society. Yeah, I mean, and again, I think, I think the reason people ignore them is they must have a, they, they may have a belief that they simply can't handle it. 
that it would, or that it would just be too big for them to handle, or that it would somehow lead to the collapse of what it, what it is that they were trying to accomplish or achieve in that company. And so, yes, I mean, they do there. It's like alarms (laughs) when it comes to, I don't think it's signals. I think there's alarms there. And I think it's in many organizations. I think it's happening in our schools. I, I, that was my roots. I worked in the schools as a school psychologist for years. And I think there's a lot of alarms going on off there and as well as corporations and the coronavirus certainly has, has sort of unplugged some of that people really looking at, wow, taking a step back and watching it. And, and there are some things happening that you're just like, I can't believe this is happening. (laughs) Are we supposed to be helping each other out here? And there's some real cutthroat things going on that are, I think sometimes when the stress levels just get so high, the reactivity gets super high. And as a result, people lose trust and it creates fear really. And, and so hopefully some, some organizations are starting to wake up to that. How do we, realizing that you can go on like that Sure. I mean, you could, and you might even do fine. You might do well, or you can take some time and really uncover it. And some people are taking advantage of the fact that a lot of things are removed right now for us. Like we don't have the commutes like we did before. We don't have the, you know, some areas don't have the spending because there's office buildings that are closed and so you can concentrate in, on different things. And yeah. my hope is some, at least some corporations are doing that. Yeah, no, it's uh, really good. The um, around, I was excited as I got to, you know, look at your background and get to know you a little bit. I was excited to experience some of your meditation practice side. And out of curiosity, I'd love to just, have you uh, kind of give your thoughts around what do you think's most misunderstood around meditation practice and what do you feel like is the the best first step for people you know to experience meditation well so emotional detox has a system called cleanse it's a seven step system it starts with the c it's in the acronym of cleanse so people remember it and that first step is C called clear reactivity. And I think that's important in regards to meditation because you want to center yourself. That's the first thing. And that's what that clear reactivity is about. It's about simple things that you can do to get centered in your body. And it's basically, I always say when I do that first clear reactivity with myself or with clients, I say it's it's just take a moment to sort of get out of everyone else's field of energy <laughs> because that's what we do. We're we're so it's it's kind of like boundaries. You know, we're we're so over in everybody else's business. <laughs> Whether maybe we're not asking them, but we're thinking about them. Maybe it's our children, maybe it's our spouse, maybe it's our boss. Maybe it's our, maybe we're feeling guilty about something. Who knows? But we're leaning in another direction. So that first step, clear reactivity, is all about 
okay, let's just take a moment and get centered and let's let's focus on you, your feelings, what's coming up in you, not what's coming up in your daughter or your son or your aunt or your parent or your teacher, what's coming up in you. And so that's that very first step, getting centered and focusing on yourself, knowing that when we do that, we're all connected. So it's just, it's not that you're going to ignore other people. <laughs> it's, it's that you're going about it in a different way. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's, um, meditation is definitely a practice that I have been, you know, trying to get more and more in, into, and it's probably the one that is, uh, challenged me the most is just just really to get you know the quietness in in my mind um in, in in amongst all the chaos that that we're all living in and the the clearing yourself moments when you when you experience them it's just wonderful um but it's probably the one of the more challenging things i've had to explore yeah, you want to be comfortable for sure, right? When you meditate, you want to, you want to, that's, that's a big thing is just finding a comfortable area or seat or make, you know, take care of yourself before you sit down in a meditation. If you're cold, put a blanket on you. If you're, if, if you're need a drink of water, have a drink of water, but it's really about making yourself comfortable and then sit down and quiet your mind a little bit. And that's that first step of in the cleanse, again, is about that centering piece. And then we go into sort of diving into what's coming. I always say what's coming up to be cleansed. <laughs> that's my view. That's my version of what, what emotions are showing up that maybe I'm not acknowledging. Maybe I'm not realizing how much of an impact they're having on my my viewpoint, my attitude, my ability to connect with others. And that's that, that second step after you center, you, you go into that process. And then, and then the third step is very meditative because you introduce vibration into the body. And so sometimes that's like a little bit of humming with your voice. Sometimes it's a breath and, and so you can see how it's very similar to what quote unquote meditation. I just, I do better when I'm sort of gently guided into the process rather than yeah. just kind of plop down and, okay, I'm going to meditate now <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really agree with that too. I need, I need that gentle transitioning because <laughs> uh, yeah. I, 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 the abrupt change is not something that, that I seem to be able to navigate. Yeah. So on your on your journey of becoming the author and doing all the the great things you've done, um, was there a particular signal or trigger that started all this for you? Well, I mean the the first book I ever wrote was when I left the schools, and similar to yourself, the the signal was. I was on a leave of absence because I was pregnant with my first daughter. And, and after I had her, I really, I had no idea how much I had been on a hamster wheel. 
because now, as you know, when, when you have a baby, your life comes to a halt, <laughs> a screeching halt. And <laughs> you can't be, you have to be very patient and things are not necessarily on your terms. And, and in the process of that, I wasn't feeling well. I wasn't, I didn't realize that I had an enormous amount of anxiety to be able to do what I was doing. I was doing the job of three people looking back as so many schools will have that where they hire one person and then you wear multiple hats. And I didn't know that until I, like yourself, I went to the doctor and my liver levels were just a mess. And I was only 30 years old. I'm thinking, what the heck? That's, that's not acceptable. <laughs> and they said the same thing to me. They said, well, you know, if it continues, we would put you on my, and I was like, oh no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. I'm going to look into this a little bit. So similar signal initially, which ended up turning into writing a book on, okay, well, I really believed I was going back to the schools. How will this look different for me? How will I function? And I ended up taking about a year and a half and writing that book. And then shortly after, I was approached by a publisher and they knew that I was really in the world of mindfulness. And they said, can you write a mindful book about anxiety? And I said, sure. And, uh, and that's, that was where, how it began. So it was just really fortunate because I was approached. I, I just thought I was going to write that one book and then go back to the schools and try again, but it ended up turning my life in a new direction. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. It's, uh, I, I always find it so fascinating just to understand, you know, how the journeys get, get guided and get listened to. And it, it's exciting that you had that kind of that fork in the road that happened for you. And clearly uh, life events like adding children, um, et cetera, really do, uh, do turn your world upside down. Um, so yeah. another question I, I like to explore is just um, this idea of having one key message for listeners to take away from your journey, your insights, your knowledge. Um, if there was one thing you would want people to you know, take away from this interaction today, what would it be? So it's, it's kind of my motto, and I repeat it because I do believe that we need repetition. And it's the way I end my radio show. I always say to people, your emotions matter. Processing them matters more. So that is something I'd like people to sort of gnaw on a little bit. Your emotions matter. Processing them matters more. And so the, identifying your emotion is really just a fraction of, of the process. It, and it's actually it has nothing to do with processing the emotion itself. It's just mentally identifying it. And it can be helpful if you're trying to communicate with someone how you feel. But it doesn't really support the processing of that emotion. So getting to know what that feels like, 
to to know when an emotion has run its course. And that's the way I look at it. It's like, let's look at it like the washing machine. <laughs> you put a load of laundry in, you're not going to stop it midway and have it be all sopping. That would be, that'd be a lot of work. <laughs> Wouldn't be very useful. And be real stinky after a while, right? Having wet, sopping laundry. Same thing with your emotions. You want them to fully run their course so that they can be transformed into higher knowledge and consciousness and information for you. And then that's when you become in in line with whatever it is that you desire in life. And I think for me, I always desired to be a writer. I don't think I ever really said it out loud. I didn't think I could. I don't, I think I had some beliefs there that I wasn't smart enough or whatever. But once you start processing, and I think now looking back, being home with my daughter, that's what I was doing when I was writing. I was processing it all. And look look how it changed the course. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's neat. I I had the same emotion on um writing in that I'd never thought of myself as a as a writer and uh even in my engineering undergrad I only took one English class you know in college it wasn't it wasn't something I ever thought I was going to do but then I realized that um, I started to have this realization that I thought everybody you know thought the way I thought or I thought everybody had these same realizations and then I started to realize wow no each of us has our own journey and our own our own you know insight and whether you can help one person or help millions um, you know get it out there and so I kind of took took that approach to it, but it wasn't something I ever thought I was going to be uh, or do either. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then the, the next question is uh, my cauliflower moment, something where you had a, a belief and you questioned it and wound up uh, finding out that the belief you maybe had wasn't uh, the right way to be looking at it and love to just uh, have you share with, some, with the audience uh, something in that vein. Mm. So the the belief, and I share this in the core book, Emotional Detox, it, I had some beliefs about my marriage. I had said them out loud several times. I had said them in, to myself several times, and they were basically deal breakers, right? If you ever did this, it would be over. If you you treated me that way, it would be over kind of thing. And that was something that I was really challenged on when I wrote that book, because when I, after I did all the research on emotions, I'd been picked up by Simon and Schuster. Now I was of course thrilled because I had worked, you know, this was my seventh book. I had really obviously worked very hard to get recognized by a big publishing house. They wanted my, my information. And then about six weeks later, my marriage started to fall apart. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And so that's when I, those beliefs became challenged. And that's part of what I discuss in that book is um, moving through that and transforming them. Yeah, that uh, it's, it's really neat that you had the insight and the, uh, I guess the guts to travel down that path of, 
realizing it, questioning it, and addressing them. It's really, um, it's something I wished, I wish I would have, you know, been introduced or had the insight much earlier in my life to change the course of some of the poor decisions and poor processes that I did. Um, and mm-hmm. now I see it all clearly, but back then, boy, I just didn't, I wasn't equipped um, to really address it. Yeah, not many of us are. Not many no. of us got that early on. No. Sure. I think it's going to be different. It's it's going to be different for the next generations to come and Yeah, it's already yeah. The 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 thing I often think about is there's just so much more information available and accessible today. Uh good and bad, you know, there's a, there's yes. a lot of conflict and a lot of confusion around it, but um, the, our accessibility to information um, back when I was starting out was just not nothing like what what's available today. So that part of it is really neat. Well, I really appreciate your time today. It time flies by uh, always fast in these, and uh, I, I'm learning right along with uh, everyone else, and it's wonderful. Is there um, the best way for people to contact you and get in contact with your information? Um, what, where would you direct them? Sure. Well, uh, Emotional Detox, Emotional Detox for Anxiety, and all my other books, you can find at SherryAnnaBoyle.com. So it's my full name, SherryAnnaBoyle.com. And then I have another website called cleanselife.com. And that has all, because I, I put all of this into yoga practices, believe it or not. So it's kind of fun way to do yoga. We do emotional detox every class. And that's at cleanselife.com. And then, of course, where all books are sold, you can, you can find emotional detox and emotional detox for anxiety. And, and I've written some children books for families for helping children with anxiety as well. Wow, that's neat. I'll have to look for those. Um, I, yeah. I wasn't aware Mindfully, of that. mindfully. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the conscious parenting guide I wrote for oh. childhood. Yeah, for childhood anxiety. Wonderful. Neat. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, listen, Sherriana, really appreciate the time today and uh, look forward to staying connected uh, as our journeys continue. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for okay. having me. 